All right, and welcome back to episode four of Dynasty Kings. I'm the attractive one, Luke, and that's Kyle, who probably drinks way too much dairy in a, one day. And today, we are going to talk about our reactions to the very exciting online NFL draft. And I think the best place to start when we're doing this is talking about landing spots for guys and specifically the landing spots. I want you to start it. Yeah, of course, guys. Welcome back to episode four. I'm going to start off right away, uh, go over a wide receiver. I love his landing spot, and that's Jalen Ragor. I think the landing spot on the Eagles is arguably one of the best in the entire draft. Uh, I think he instantly steps into wide receiver one role. Jeffrey is going to be probably gone this offseason at some point. And even if he's not, there's a clear disconnection between him and Carson Wentz, which we've, I think, already gone over. Um, the Eagles were desperate for wide receiver help last year. We talked about it once already, but, you know, they didn't have a single wide receiver go over 500 yards. And uh, Rigor has big upside, you know. I think he goes at the end of your first round in a rookie draft. And it's important to note, you know, I think we talked about it last episode too, but, you know, he had the least amount of accurate balls thrown to him. And he still put up 611 yards uh, in his last season at TCU. Yeah, no, I think uh, Rhaegar was a guy who I think went under a lot of people's radars when it came to just talking about wide receivers. I don't think anybody really knew what the guy could be. And I, I'm glad that the Eagles, after they missed out on CD Lamb, were able to get him. My guy, and you know what? I'm not a controversial guy. I'm not going to tell you to go drink bleach to cure coronavirus, but I am going to give you a controversial first take. And my favorite landing spot by far in the whole draft is Cole Komet to the Chicago Bears in the second round. I think it's perfect because he, he still has some learning to do, and now he gets to learn behind Jimmy Graham, who's you know one of the best tight ends to play the game in the last decade. He's going to be given opportunities to succeed right away, regardless if he's starting or not, because he'll be a safety valve for whoever the Bears QB is because they suck. He's going to be a he's he's going to be and is a great middle of the field receiver, and he's a very accomplished run blocker. He, because of his long ass frame, this guy has a catch radius. A catch radius that I would compare to Odell in tight end form. Except probably not as good looking. I think the guy's going to be able to catch a lot of high balls, low balls, side balls. and fulls overthrow to him. He will be able to catch. I, If I had to compare him to any guy in the NFL right now, I'd say he's like a Tyler Higby type of specimen. And you know what, if you're doing your draft, your rookie draft, project that he's going to go late second, mid third, depending on what type of format it is, specifically if it's a two tight end premium starting league. Yeah, I like his landing spot there a lot. Just like you said, I think it's good he can learn behind Jimmy Graham, even though Jimmy Graham is pretty washed at this point. I think in general, um, most of the tight ends didn't really land anywhere good this draft. So if you're desperate for one on your team, this is about the only guy you're going to target. So I wouldn't be surprised if he did go actually even earlier, uh, like early second round, just because if you're desperate at tight end, and let's say you're in a tight end premium league, this is about the only guy who got an attractable spot. So I think he's definitely worth the risk more than anything else. Or I don't really think there's much risk with him is more so what I meant. I think he's going to be very good. I Honestly, I think he's a foolproof pick. 
Um, with a lot of these guys, I think they are pretty foolproof, and that's why we wanted to start with them first. My first guy, my second guy, who I want to go over, uh, running back I was very high on on this class, uh, J.K. Dobbins. I think he immediately enters the conversation for RB1 of this class. I think going to the Ravens team, which is already a very run-heavy team, was a very ideal landing spot. I think at the end of the day, to have that combo uh, with Mark Ingram early on will be a lot of fun. And then obviously Lamar Jackson with his legs is so deadly. I think that the combination is going to be um, almost unstoppable. I think he's going to go in the top half of your first round in rookie drafts. I just took him at 1.5 in one of ours, actually. And I think he's just a very complete back. I really just love the landing spot for him. Yeah, I honestly think he, I, I honestly think that he couldn't have gone to a better uh, spot. I think Bilbo Dobbins is really going to have a great career <laughs> with the Ravens. Um, you know, I think he is pretty much what Mark Ingram is right now, like a really hard runner up the field, except I think he receives the ball a lot better than Ingram does. You know, uh, my next guy, if we are talking running backs, is Cam Akers to the LA Rams. It sucks because I was a huge Henderson guy, and I was starting to buy him where I could, and now I look foolish. But I really like Akers going to LA regardless. I think he provides the team a super good ground and pound option that they've been missing for a while. And it's going to complement the aerial attack that Sean McVay's already put in place. He comes into an LA team that has proven that they know how to successfully deploy running backs, even ones who have the knees of 75 year olds. <laughs> He's a former high school QB, so the potential for him to do some trickery like you see with Derrick Henry, it's there. It could be interesting. We could see some Andy Reid escapades going on. I think he's going to be a huge red zone guy for you in fantasy, especially with five yards in. There's no way the first two plays of every drive is an acres slam, acres slam. Oh, he didn't score? Maybe we'll go for it again. Acres slam. You know what? Just call him the Hulk. He's going to be slamming. Uh, I think if you're comparing him to an NFL guy right now, I'm looking at a guy like Duke Johnson, but I'm looking at Akers as if Duke Johnson developed the ability to run the ball and wasn't suffocated by the Browns' god-awful GM and coaching decisions. If I'm taking Cam Akers, I'm probably taking him in the late first. I wouldn't reach for him any earlier than that just because I believe that there are some better guys available before him, including guys like JT, Swift, and Dobbins. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think Akers was a really ideal landing spot in LA for a number of reasons. But first of all, this is an offensive team that's going to know how to utilize him more than anything else, which is exciting. And he had, you know, horrible line issues in college. And I think the Rams at least have a good enough line that I think Akers could surprise a lot of people. And I could see him having a very good rookie season just because I don't know if Henderson is the answer there. So if Henderson slips at all, Akers could be on the field as a workhorse, basically like almost instantly. You know, with Dobbins, there's a little bit of a wait period because Ingram's going to have a role, obviously. Akers could be by, you know, halfway through the season for touching the ball 20-plus times a game. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, like, the guy puts up insane yards after contact. Yeah. Like, it just it, – like, and, you know, in 2019, the guy averaged seven and a half yards per carry. Like, 
that's that's absurd. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's definitely something special. I think for the next guy, you know, I'm going to talk about somebody who I think fell pretty far. Um, Denzel Mims landing on the Jets. I don't know if you could really find a better place for him to land when he did land. Uh, Darnold is primed for a breakout year. This just kind of feels like the perfect storm. I think in general, and I wrote a note here, the only thing that's really holding the Jets back at this point is Adam Gase himself, because I still think he's uh, <laughs> I still think he's pretty much brain dead. <laughs> and, um, I think he's an extremely proficient 50-50 ball threat, and imagine you know basically Robbie Anderson only with a better equipped route tree, and I think he goes early second round, maybe even at the end of the first round in drafts. Just because his landing spot is that juicy. And this is what we talked about last episode when I said, you know, we could talk about these players all day, but their landing spot means means everything. Mims is primed because of his landing spot. Yeah, I think Mims got lucky. Uh, you know, I was actually kind of shocked that the Jets didn't go after Jerry Judy. Like, I thought everybody else thought they were going to mm-hmm. with their pick. But I think Denzel Mims is a great complimentary guy to bring in. It allows Crowder to move exclusively into the slot where he belongs. And it allows Mims just to explode, given that Sam Darnold doesn't hook up with another 15-year-old and catch Mono <laughs> again. But, I mean, other than that, like, I, I can't see why, you know what, in any other draft, this guy had a round one right on him. and. And I think that he got very lucky where he landed. I think the last guy I'm going to talk about and to end this segment is a guy who, you know what, you know, going to say something to my girlfriend really quick. You, you know, like, no, I would never cheat on you. But if DeAndre Swift walked up to me in a club, I, uh, you might go home by yourself. <laughs> at me. Look. I think he's the best running back in the draft, in my opinion. The guy in college as a freshman was forcing Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, who have crafted out you know successful careers for themselves. Nick in Chubb, yeah, today. but not Sony no, Michelle. Okay, but okay. then you continue. Okay, <laughs> Sony, Sony Michelle still has a Super Bowl under his belt and two 900-yard rushing seasons. Anyways, he was putting pressure on two of the best running backs in the NCAA at the time as a freshman, averaging seven and a half yards per carry. And he only got better as he did it. And as he got better as a runner, he got, he got better as a receiver. I think that he shows, and I've talked about this a lot already, but I think he shows great patience and decision-making behind the line of scrimmage. I think that he's a growing pass catcher. And he will only get better. And if I had to compare him to anybody in the NFL right now, I'd say he's he looks like Le'Veon Bell. And that could be controversial, but I'm sticking with it. And I, I wouldn't be so shocked if this guy doesn't get picked in any of your drafts in the early first round. However, speaking of drafts today, I somehow got lucky and ended up with him at the 1.09 spot in the 12-man league, which is insane if you ask yeah i like swift a lot i think you got to steal with that draft pick or in that league together um swift is going to be successful period it doesn't matter that carry on's there i think they'll complement each other in the first year and i think carry on can't really stay on the field so if he goes down at all during his first season swift is just going to eat any more uh, uh even more than he already will i think at the end of the day you got a very comp um a very competent back 
He can kind of do it all. And he's got great hands, as Luke already mentioned. So I don't really see how he ends up busting. But this is the Lions we're talking about. So you never know. They somehow ruined a bunch of good talents in the past. Hey, man, I hope you're lying <laughs> to me. Yeah, I think in general, though, <laughs> on a serious note, man, uh, I think a lot of the rookies didn't get good landing spots. So the ones that did, we wanted to really highlight. And these are only six that we're talking about right now. But there's a bunch of others that really got good landing spots. I think like Justin Herbert got a very good landing spot in L.A. Tyrod Taylor isn't um, isn't anything to knock your socks off, but he knows the game of football very very well and i think he could definitely teach a guy like herbert a lot i think joe burrow i don't know how i feel about his landing spot yet because of cincy but i loved where two of uh went and then the quarterbacks on the other end went to weird spots so i think in general the draft was kind of all over the place yeah exactly and i i think it's really good to point out that there are other guys who went to good places but in in our minds these are the guys who have the potential to go boom right off the bat. You know what? However, we are super pessimistic guys as well. So stick around and we're about to crap on all your favorite players (laughs) as well. All right. And we are back talking about rookies. We hated where they landed. You know, like they couldn't have landed anywhere worse. I'm going to get us started. And this one's going to be controversial. Because, you know, this guy was probably no way not going to go first overall. But I'm going to say Joe Burrow to the Bengals is my least favorite landing spot. You know, my problem with him is that he becomes an instant starter for the Bengals. But he has so many skills that need improvement before he gets to that next level that I don't know it's smart just throwing him out there and feeding him to the Wolves. You know, there's huge expectations always with the first overall pick. And he only has one good season of college football under his belt. It's a lot to ride on a guy and just throw him right into the fire. You know, another big thing is that they could lose Mixon to a holdout. And then that leaves a lot more pressure on the passing game, which means you put a lot more pressure not only on your rookie quarterback, but also your rookie wide receiver you drafted. Another thing that I don't think people talk about enough is that Zach Taylor doesn't necessarily have the most explosive offense in the league. You know, you could say it's because of the quarterbacks he dealt with last year. But honestly, I think this guy is, you know, if if you're looking at Sean McVay, like the premium, I think Zach Taylor is the cheap hooker you find outside of the club, you know. Uh, I think his draft results, you're probably going to see him go in the – early first of every single draft that you do. But I do think he would have been better off going to a team like Miami or if somebody had just gotten, you know, the cojones to uh, trade up, he would have done better at almost any other team than the Bengals. Yeah, I agree. I think that bad organizations stay bad for a reason. So I don't know if (laughs) Sitsi is going to finally ever turn it around. Um, I don't know how I feel about his landing spot. I like his talent, don't get me wrong. But I think I agree with Luke that sometimes with quarterbacks, landing spots are really – so important i said it last episode that if burrow ended up in cincy i wasn't taking the guy and i stand behind that 
Um, I think at the end of the day, it's really just up to his shoulders uh, more than anything else. I think he's going to get thrown into the fire and it's going to be a lot to put on the guy, but he's got, he's got a good head on his shoulder. So there's a high chance that he might come out on the other side swinging. Yeah, could be, could be, you know what? Well, we, we can't crap on his incredible season. The guy had a QB rating of 202 threw for almost 6,000 yards and had six TDs to six interceptions. Like that's phenomenal. Like, I don't think we've seen a season like that in forever, but if you look at his first season at LSU playing 13 games, he only had 2,800 yards for 16 touchdowns. I think, I think this guy is a project. I don't think he's a first year starter. I think it's very rare to see a quarterback come right out and be a first-year starter. And while I do think Burrow will be something great in this league, I just don't think it's going to be that if the Bengals force him to be the guy starting today. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think that the only quarterback who I think that no matter what Burrow didn't land as bad of a spot as this next quarterback. I don't know if there's another player in the entire league who got a worse hand draw to them than Jalen Hurts. I um, I feel bad for the guy, honestly. I You go to a team that has arguably a top five quarterback already in the system. I don't know why the Eagles took Hurts in the second. I just really don't get it. He really has no chance at a starting job, barring a serious injury or serious regression on Wentz's part. Wentz is signed already long-term, and the Eagles are saying they're going to use him like Taysom Hill. So this is going to be a complete shit show for fantasy. So expect Hertz to steal touchdowns from Wentz and expect him to never be usable in fantasy. So it's the really just, it's the worst of everything. You know, I think at the end of the day, I'm, I hated this pick. I think if he gets drafted in your leagues, he's going to go maybe the fourth round. But I think unless it's super flex, he's not going at all. Yeah, you know, it was such a questionable decision because I liked Hertz a lot coming out of college. I thought the guy had really great potential. And the Eagles now want to be, we're going to be the QB factory of the league. You already have a QB. You don't need to make another one. What's the point? And the fact that teams already know that he has no value to you because of who you have in front of him means they're not going to pay what you would want them to pay for him. And unfortunately, you're going to see this a lot in your drafts. You're going to see one of two things. You're going to see one of two things with Jalen Hurts. You're going to see guys who overvalue the crap out of him and think that he's eventually going to take over once. Or you're going to see guys who just don't want anything to do with him, don't want to touch him, and would rather tr- take Trubitsky over him. Uh, you know what? My next terrible landing spot while I'm heated like this. I got to talk about Henry Ruggs and what the hell Vegas was thinking. Don't get me wrong. The guy has a huge ceiling, but a really low floor. He's never had more than like 746 yards in a season. Exactly 746 yards in a season. I don't know why I said like, maybe I was trying to cushion the blow. (laughs) Maybe I feel bad for the guy. But he's never had more than 746 yards in a season. He was also never relied on to be the the top guy at Bama because he had Jerry Judy, who, in my opinion, should have been picked before Ruggs. I think, you know, the problem is, is he has a limited route tree. It's the same thing people said about DK Metcalf last year. But the difference is, is 
DK went in the second round, which I think is justifiable. Whereas Ruggs being the first receiver taken off the board baffles me. Baffles me. Um, and you know what the problem is, too, is there's a huge question mark at the QB position in Vegas. I think you've got Derek Carr, who, yeah, he has the arm to give Ruggs the yards that he could probably get. But he also overthrows the crap out of his receivers. And then if you bring in Mariota, well, Mariota doesn't have that arm to, to really show off what Ruggs can do with his feet. So what are you going to do? I think, though, however, in your drafts, you're still going to see Ruggs go late first round. I don't think there's... I don't think there's a lot of drafts where you're going to see him fall out of the first. I really do think he'll stay in the in the first round for the most part. Yeah, I definitely see it too. I hated Henry Ruggs landing in Las Vegas. I thought Vegas was really going to take a quarterback because I think that position still has a very big question mark for them, as you said. Um, I don't think Mariota or Carr is the answer, although I'm holding on hope that Mariota can somehow turn his career around. I think that the problem is that Ruggs was never a wide receiver one in Bama, as you already said. So I don't know if the Raiders somehow believe he's going to magically be one. I think it's a little far-fetched of an idea more than anything else. I just I just wish it went differently more than anything else. It kind of upsets me. <laughs> Man, it's just, it's dumb. It's a waste of talent. I think a guy like Jerry Judy or even CeeDee Lamb could have walked onto that team and immediately excelled. And like now you've got a project going on. And you know what? It does work though, because now Renfro can exclusively work out of the slot where I think he will torture defenders in the slot for a few years. Uh, but you know what? I just. With so many better players to pick from, I really hope Mike Mike Mayock can see into the future or else he's going to be crapped on for years yeah, to come. Yeah, I agree. The next guy I hate um, as far as landing spots go, I think it's pretty obvious, A.J. Dillon. Um, I just felt like the, pick, the Packers were drafting uh, for 2021. It shows they have really no attention of paying Aaron Jones, in my opinion. It just didn't really seem like the right fit. I don't know if he'll even touch the field year one. I just hate the spot, honestly, unless Jones or William both walk in 2021. This is just going to be a pain in the ass uh, in a backfield that's already pretty much annoying as is. Um, it's a big, talented back who's, in my opinion, is just going to be wasted by the Packers more than anything else. And this is a guy who's going to sit on the bench and – uh, not do anything and hold a clipboard and probably waste some of his prime years of his life. Yeah, easily. It made absolutely no sense uh, to pick Dylan in the second round when there's so many glaring holes at wide receiver and the fans are always saying you don't have enough. Don't get me wrong. I think Liz- Lazard and F- Funkes are, you know, they could be really good paired beside Devontae Adams. But man, you got to start investing in the long-term future. Like, why would you take Jordan Love and not have a receiver that can come up with the guy that he can form a chemistry? Yeah, with? I don't get it. And you know what? The biggest problem with AJ Dillon is is he's fat and not pH fat. He's fat. Like he's two hundred and fifty pounds. Like that's fullback big. That's that's it, that's it's not scary in a good way how big he is. And I don't think they can expect him to 
walk into Aaron Jones's shoes, regardless if you see Aaron Jones repeating the same success he had last year, this year, there's no way, in my opinion, you see Aaron Jones, like, even bat an eyelash to this guy being in the same running back room. Yeah, I'm staying away from Aaron Jones, that's for sure. I don't think he does what he did last year ever again. Uh, agree to disagree. It's not what we're here to talk <laughs> about. What I am here to talk about is my favorite receiver going to the worst possible destination he could go to, and that's CeeDee Lamb going to the Cowboys. This whole pick was Jerry Jones trying to play with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And you could say, oh, he was picking the best player on the board, or yada, yada, yada. But they had, uh, they had a good amount of holes to fill. They had a good amount of holes to fill. They could have traded up and gotten a corner like they probably should have. And instead, they take a wide receiver at a position that they already just invested $100 million into and already have a guy like Gallup who will be expected to get paid starting next year. I think I think that this is so questionable. I think this either shows that they don't trust Gallup or they don't trust Amari Cooper or they don't trust Why they pay Amari if they don't trust the guy? <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know what the problem is? is like... Both guys he's with had 1,000-plus yard years, and they're both under the age of 26. So they're not going anywhere anytime soon if you're being realistic. You know, there's no real understanding where the guy's going to fit into the offense. I really do think this was just a revenge pick by Jerry World against the Eagles. However, the guy still has huge wide receiver one potential, regardless of who's around him, I think. And I still think that he's a mid to late first round pick in any of. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think Lamb is the most talented wide receiver in the class. I think no matter what, he'll get his time eventually. It just sucks that it might take a year or two now because of his situation. For the last guy that we're going to talk about as far as hating landing spots go, I wasn't really high on the guy in the first place, but now he you know, enters into an extremely crowded room, I guess, all of a sudden. Kind of sounds weird to say that. K.J. Hamler landing on the Broncos in what now looks like one of the deepest offenses in the entire league. There's a lot of mouths to feed in Denver. Um, I love what the Broncos did for Locke. Uh, there's no denying that somebody is going to lose out on this exchange. I think guys like Deshaun Hamilton and KJ Hamler are the first guys who are going to lose out as far as targets go because you drafted Judy in the first. Don't tell me you're not going to feed the guy. You drafted Font in the first last year. Don't tell me you're not going to feed the guy. I think when he does go, is middle of the third round, and I think it's a wasted pick for you in fantasy. Oh, 100% it's a wasted pick. And, it, you know, in my mind, it, it, they look a lot better than they did last year because, you know, going into last season, their number two wide receiver behind Cortland Sutton was Tim Patrick. Yeah. What a terrible name for a guy you want going up in your wide receiver two position. Tim Patrick? God. Or Deshaun Hamilton, gosh. if you thought it was him, maybe. <laughs> Deshaun Hamilton. Like, I just think – I think they did a lot of good things for Locke. However, I think they had some things on defense they could have shored up with some of those Did earlier they even picks. Pick a defensive player, I swear to God, every time they were on the board, I felt like it was just offense, offense, offense. I'm sure they did. I'm not. I'm sure they spent a late pick on it. I'm not going to Google it because I'm pretty confident that they did. 
but I thought they had a really big need at corner. Yeah, didn't they just di- they just dipped on Chris Harris, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, like you know what, Chris Harris was a you know in my opinion one of the best corners in the last decade, and they just kind of said bye bye, and he walked, and he went to their division mm-hmm. rival, and they didn't address they didn't address the situation at all. And now I feel like they're going to have an incredible offense and they probably still will have an interesting front seven going into next year because I think Vaughn Miller has at least one more year in the tank. And I think Bradley Chubb will come back and be healthy. And I think the front seven will thrive. And I think AJ Johnson, big IDP sleeper for me, he had a great year last year. And I think now that he's coming into a full year starting, I think AJ Johnson's going to go boom. But I, I really don't know what they were doing not yeah, addressing the secondary. Because I think at the end of the day, those are all good points. And I think really just to bring this all full circle to an earlier episode of when we talked about our quarterbacks, Drew Locke, man, if you didn't buy him already, I think I think the window passed. I think it's over. Because <laughs> I don't think you're getting this guy without multiple firsts at this point in Superflex. Yeah, there's no way you're not, you know – paying the mother load for drew lock i mean the guy is the guy's value just went to i you know i said he would never be Murray, <laughs> but ever since his draft his value is getting closer and closer in dynasty to what kyler's is and we haven't even seen the guy play a full season yeah. i mean their wide receiver room is starting to look like it can rival uh arizona you know obviously they don't have anybody that is uh deandre hopkins yet but Cortland Sutton and Judy both have the potential to one day be that caliber of a wide receiver. And that's not me stretching it. That That's just the genuine truth. I've, yeah, I, I can't even uh, – I think that's a really good n- note to mm-hmm. end that conversation on. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the biggest team winners from the draft. So stick around. All right, and welcome back. So we just talked about players and landing spots that we liked and disliked. Now we're going to look at teams overall. We'll start with the teams that we liked who had great drafts. Kyle, why don't you get us going? Yeah, for my first choice, I'm going to start off, uh, jump right into it. I think the Baltimore Ravens had a great draft. I love what they're building. I think J.K. Dobbins in the second was an utter steal when you consider some of the guys who went before him. And I just think he fits that system so well. He was my favorite pick that they made hands down. Um, I think they filled in a huge hole at linebacker with the addition of Patrick Queen. Uh, You know, when um, C.J. Mosley departed, uh, departed. I think a lot of people thought Kenny Young was going to step in that footsteps, but that actually never transpired. And I think James Proshai, uh, Prosh, um, I know I'm going to butcher his name. Well, I think he was an utter steal that they got pretty late in the draft in the sixth round, a really good slot threat that I think might actually have a starting role day one. Yeah, no, I think they had a really good draft. I think they had an extremely good draft. I was I was surprised Dobbins fell to them so far. Uh, I really like the addition of Queen. I think they really need the help up the middle. I think that they focused on getting some guys for their offensive line as well, mm-hmm. which is a big thing after losing Marshall uh, Yonda. Because I don't, people don't talk about him enough, but he was one of the best guards to ever play the game. Oh, for so long, literally, like this. I think he made the All Decade team. He definitely did, and for good reason. Oh, I, he was he was unanimous. He, he was, was unanimous. One of the, there you go. 
And like the guy, I think, you know what, they have, you could say that they have positions on defense that they needed fixing, but I think that guard position was their most important thing that they had to address. And they brought in two guards who will hopefully be able to be solid starters. I don't think anybody will ever be Yonda, but hopefully they bring in guys who will like increase the run game and help Dobbins become that guy that I think they can be. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I like what they're building in Baltimore. I continue to like what they do in general. Yeah, 100%. So my one of my favorite drafts for a team, this one might be a little controversial, but I really like the Minnesota Vikings draft. I think they did a really good job of when they traded Diggs, getting a pick where they knew that they could land a quality wide receiver, and they grabbed Justin Jefferson, who I think was – you know what? There were really good other really good wide receivers in that draft, but I think he was slept on for the potential that he brings. I think getting him in the 22nd pick is awesome, and I think he'll be an amazing compliment to Thielen, not to mention that Thielen will probably be able to show him the ropes and hopefully help him get going right out the get-go. I really liked as well how you know their secondary took some hits. They lost Trey Waynes. They lost Xavier Rhodes. Granted, Xavier Rhodes wasn't the same guy he was a couple years ago, but still, it was a hit. And they really targeted bringing in some good corners. I especially thought that getting Carson Hand from Temple in the fifth round was a steal. I really like the kid. I think he shows great potential in zone coverage, and his man coverage, while it needs some work, could be very great. I think they also did a great job of capitalizing on getting some good D linemen. Granted, none of these guys are guys who are going to walk in and immediately start from day one. But these are guys who are immediate, who will eventually, in my opinion, take the next step, especially James Lynch out of Baylor. I don't think enough, enough people talked about him as a D tackle. And, you know, I think the guy will be a great run stuffer. However, I think the pick that not a lot of people are focusing on is the fact that they got Ezra Cleveland out of Boise in the second round. I thought that guy could have gone in the first round in any other draft. The guy is a stud offense tackle, and he's immediately going to shore up that offensive line that looked like it had so many holes last year. Yeah, I think that the Vikings really had a fun draft. I mean, how many rookies did they got in total? 16 coming in-house, basically. Pretty crazy when you think about it. And for the most part, I don't really see many uh, missteps as things go as far as their draft more than anything else. I think Jefferson was a fine pick in the first. I think uh, uh, Cleveland was a steal in the second for sure, as you said. And just overall, I I think they had a very solid draft. They kind of threw a lot of darts at the board, but that's kind of what you need to do with uh, drafting because you, at the end of the day, you can do all the scouting in the world, but you're not going to be able to predict all these guys' future. So sometimes having more is the rest is the best strategy possible. A hundred percent, you know, and get as sometimes, you know, people say quality over quantity, but I think in this case, when you're a team like Minnesota and you're on the verge of competing, mm-hmm. Getting quantity is a better idea because then you can just throw guys yep. at the wall, see what sticks. You know, I also think KJ Osborne out of Miami, he's my late round sleeper. And then Minnesota got him in the fifth round. And I think 
the guy could potentially be a decent wide receiver three for that team, giving him the time. Yeah, well, they don't really have much else so <laughs> as far as wide receivers go, so I wouldn't doubt it. For me, well, my next team, I think the Bengals had a really good draft. I know you said you didn't like Burroughs going there uh, with your last uh, take as far as earlier in the episode goes, but I think T. Higgins in the second round was an utter steal when you consider the guys who went before him. I think they tacked the linebacker position really well, adding a guy like Logan Wilson, who in my opinion went a little later than I expected. Um, and they took two guys. So actually, I'm sorry, three guys. And I think that was all in response because they lost Nick Vigil, which was a huge departure for that team's defense. I don't think a lot of people realize how good Vigil was uh, the last few seasons. And now he's in LA with the Chargers. So I just think in overall, like they didn't do a lot of Cincinnati Bengals things. Like they took the right guys at the right spots. They didn't trade around like crazy. They sat still. They let the draft come to them. And I'm just overall impressed with the drafts because I don't really believe in Zach Taylor or that organization. So this is a big endorsement for me. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's not that I don't like Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be a good quarterback in the league. It's just the position that the Bengals are Mm -hmm. in. I don't think they want him sitting behind Andy Dalton. Which, you know, I think a guy like Joe Burrow just needs kind of like how at Ohio State, you know, he 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 was in a heavy quarterback room, but he learned a lot at Ohio State and then went to LSU. And then you could see that the stuff he learned at Ohio State was starting to come out as he progressed at LSU. And I think in order for him to become the guy that everybody knows he can be, he can't be rushed into the situation. However, bringing in a guy like T Higgins is definitely going to make it easier on him when it comes to getting adjusted to the NFL. Level. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I think AJ green is gone. I think that's confirmed at this point. If I'm the Bengals, I'd feel comfortable with T Higgins and Boyd as my wide receiver one a and one B almost. I'm not sure if either one will become the definitive, you know, one, at least not the first season. And then, you know, have John Ross as like almost like the three in the slot who can just, utterly destroy people when he's healthy. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that uh, you say that because I do think Tyler Boyd can be not like a pro, like uh, like an every year Pro Bowl type of guy, but he showed last year that without A.J. Green, he can still put up a 1,000 mm-hmm. yards. He can still catch the ball. He's a target Yeah, because he didn't have A.J. Green at all last season, not for a game. Yeah, and uh, behind Tyler Boyd, like, who did they really have a wide receiver? Like, Auden Tate? Yeah, Alex like, Erickson. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, they had nobody, and he showed that he can still, you know, carry mm-hmm. the passing game if he needs to. Uh, speaking of that, I want to get into my second favorite draft, and this is a team that didn't draft quantity, but they drafted quality. Oh, yeah, they did. And this is the L.A. Chargers. I think the best pick is obviously Justin Herbert. They needed a quarterback. I think Herbert ticks off every box for what they're looking for. The guy can run the ball, which they didn't have with Rivers in the first place. He's shown he knows how to read the field well for the most part. He has the ability to get the ball into tight windows. And I think sitting behind Tyrod, who you know has shown success in the past, could be good for him. I think the thing people aren't talking about, though, is the fact that they got Joshua Kelly out of UCLA in the fourth round. I think this guy has sleeper written all over him. There's a chance that he doesn't go until the fourth or fifth round in most of your drafts, but I really do think that Joshua Kelly will be a great change of pace back when you pair him with Eckler. 
because Kelly will ground and pound the ball, while Eckler, who has shown that he's not the best runner, but God, does he have hands like CMC, will really help the passing game. And then I really liked the pick of Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. I thought he was my uh, he was my favorite outside linebacker going into the draft, and I think pairing him with Bosa coming off the edge, it's going to be scary yeah, for a newly teams. added Nick Vigil just to bring this all full circle. Who's great in the middle. So Kenneth Murray and him together should be a really nice compliment. I think to an already strong chargers defense that a lot of people sleep on. I mean, they had a lot of pieces that weren't healthy last year. And um, if they get back to form, I would, I would not sleep on this team having a bounce back season. Well, I mean, and people aren't talking about their secondary yeah. because they're trotting out. They're trotting out a yes, pro they are like in complete form. They've got their their corners are Desmond King and Chris Harris, and then they still have Derwin James. Well, don't they safety. also have Casey Hayward still too, who was a pro baller for a couple of years as well? And they do so. Like that, that's probably one of the best. It's an older backfield, uh, but between some of the guys, but it's a nice split of young guys with huge upside Mm -hmm. and veterans who have already proved that they're going to shut your guys down. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think, and I think in two years, as long as Herbert takes the right steps, we will be talking about these guys competing for a Super Bowl. I like that take. Yeah, no, I, I just can't see it. Like God, I love Herbert. I've, I've loved him. I think, you know what? He has gotten, every year at Oregon, he only got better. And I think he did the good thing, not declaring for the previous draft and waiting till 2020. I think it was the best thing he could do for himself. Agreed, uh, All right. When we come back, we will be talking the worst drafts by teams possible. Stick around. And we're back. And now we are talking the worst drafts by teams possible i'm gonna get us started i think this one's very obvious but i have to (laughs) touch on it and it's the packers it was a terrible draft for the packers i don't know what they were doing i are they giving rogers the middle finger like it felt like they should have taken a wide receiver even at some point and they just didn't they added a super unnecessary running back in aj Dillon, who's he just I don't know what he's going to do for that team between Jones and Williams. And even if they let Jones walk or they trade him or something, he will never be what that guy will probably be for that team because he complements the pass game and the run game so well. I think their best pick was John Runyon, an offensive lineman who they took in the sixth round. And that's saying something because their offense alignment was just starting to – their offense line was just getting old. It's not that they weren't product, productive. Their offense line just old, and they needed to bring an offense alignment in, but they didn't address the need until the sixth round. I don't know what this team is doing. You know, you know how guys will give grades at the end of a draft? My grade for this is incomplete. <laughs> they didn't do anything. Like, I get – I get, oh, Jordan Love fell to them. Maybe we yeah, should take Yeah, but did him. he? I'm sorry, yeah. did he even fall to him? Like, it, I mean... like, if it was so pressing that they needed a quarterback, why not trade up in the second round and grab Hurts? Or grab a project like Fromm? 
Why do you need to spend your first round pick on Jordan Love? The guy, the guy is, the guy has as much work on him that needs to be done as any guys that went in the later rounds, like even Jacob Eason. Yeah, like this guy has work written all over him. And sure, he'll be behind Rogers, but Rogers is a notorious prick. <laughs> and like, is he really gonna want to help? the guy who he knows is going to take over eventually. I think the only way this works is if somehow Rodgers wins a Super Bowl this year and then the team goes, oh, crap, well, we're going to hang on to this guy as long as possible. And then by the time Jordan loves 25, he'll finally have a place in the league. Yeah, I hate it from a fantasy perspective for sure. I just hate it also because now you look at like the Bengals draft, who I said I love their draft. You could have T. Higgins on this roster right now as opposed to having Jordan Love. Yeah, Packers fans, let that sink in. Like, like that's who you could have rostered right now instead. A they could have just had so much better. They could have had so much better. Yeah, I just, as I said in the past, I think the Packers were drafting for 2021, and I'll stand behind that. It just seems like such a disconnect. For my next team, I think it's a pretty obvious one, too. Um, I think the New England Patriots had a really horrible draft. I just don't understand what they were doing. Um like I don't, I don't get why you don't bring in a quarterback in a draft that had a pretty good class of quarterbacks. Um, unless maybe you're tanking for Lawrence, and that'd be the only thing I could think of. But I don't think Belichick has it in his mentality to tank. I didn't hate all their picks. I think Duggar was a really good pick. Uh, they need to fill a hole at safety, and I think uh, uh, Joss Uche out of Michigan was a really awesome pick as well. But after that, it just gets so questionable. They brought in multiple tight ends. They drafted a racist kicker in the fifth round. Uh, I don't like literally like, like he was like some like crazy anarchist or something like that. So I, I just, I don't understand what this team was doing and the tight ends that they did take. I mean, a guy like Hunter Bryant went undrafted. Like what? Why? Like, I don't understand. Look, all, all you're going to hear is guys who are Patriots fans saying trust bill, trust bill. But I think it's starting to show that, Bill might be getting out of touch with some of this. Well, well, and also it's shown in the past. He really can't draft a lot of times. I mean, I think that we've talked about it already on the show, but the Patriots are notorious for not having uh, fantastic drafts and somehow they just figure it out and bring in, you know, uh, somebody's like Gardner or something like that. And he becomes a superstar. So I don't think, you know, this really affects them all that well. I just more so was shocked that when a guy like Jake Fromm kept slipping and slipping and the Pats kept coming up on the board, I think everybody thought he was going to them. Yeah. I, I don't know why they didn't pick him. I, I thought he was the perfect fit for that team, that organization. I don't know if Jared Stidham's necessarily the future. He could be, but even Belichick said he wanted a third QB in that room, and he meant to do it in the draft and just never was able to. Um, he had lots of chances. Which, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I think that um, if you're looking at this draft, it's questionable that why they didn't take a wide receiver. Yeah. Because you look at it and like, okay, you've got Edelman, but Edelman's way, way on the wrong side of 30 now. And so now, after Edelman, well, you've lost Philip Dorsett. So you're basically running Nikhil Harry, who couldn't really stay healthy his first year. When he was on the field, he didn't look terrible. But he definitely couldn't stay healthy when he during the season. Then you have Jacoby Myers, who flashed potential for an undrafted free agent. 
but who knows if you'll ever actually pan out. Yeah. And then you and then you have Mohamed Sanu, who they wasted a second round pick going after. I forgot they even had Mohamed Sanu. <laughs> exactly. Like when they when they traded for him and then he had a really good first game, everybody was like, It's a steal, it's a steal. Like he's really gonna make this wide receiver core whole. And he did pff, nothing. Yeah. Crap the bed. Toddler pff, in the diaper, crap the bed. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what that was. Speaking of crap the bed. Oh, yeah. I got to talk about the Raiders. You know what? On paper, they didn't necessarily have a terrible draft. They didn't have any late round picks. They ended their draft in the fourth round. So, you know, their best pick was obviously Henry Ruggs. Yeah, but was it? I'm sorry, not to cut you off, but continue. <laughs> yeah, no, like I can definitely. There were, it, it was a good pick if they were selecting later in the draft. Mm-hmm. If they had taken rugs with the 19th pick, I would have understood it. And if they had taken a offensive lineman, maybe at 12th, I could justify picking rugs at 19. But they took rugs over every single other receiver in the draft. And now they expect him to walk in and be wide receiver one. It's not going to happen. I do think, though, this definitely increases the value of any Hunter Renfro shares people may have. I think Hunter Renfro is the one who won off this draft. However, it gets questionable after as we keep going. Like They took Damon Arnett out of Ohio State, 19th overall. Like I, I never thought that guy... Like There were clear two corners in that draft who were going to be year one starters. And they went in the top 10 like they were supposed to. They took Damon Arnett out of Ohio State. I feel like that's a huge reach. I feel like that's a huge reach. And that guy needs time to develop. They didn't have a second round pick. And then in the third round, they take Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky, who nobody really knows if he's a running back or a wide receiver at this point. And then you take Brian Edwards out of South Carolina. By the way, I think that's, that is a great pick, in my opinion. I think Brian Edwards is a great pick in the third round. But other than that, they grab a linebacker, Tanner Muse out of Clemson. They don't need – they definitely, definitely solved their linebacking issues in Vegas from, the, from free agency, getting Corey Littleton. And I can't pronounce his name, but the white guy from the Chicago Bears. Not going to oh, bother Kowalski or, or something like that. Kawa, Kawabunga. <laughs> yeah, Kawabunga from Chicago. Yeah. Those were two solid picks. I didn't really think they needed another linebacker. I didn't think it was that important, especially to take him in the third round. And Tanner Muse felt like a huge reach. I just felt like you can sum up the Raiders draft by calling it a reach. Yeah. I think that's a fair point. Again, I don't dislike rugs. I love the talent, but I just think in general, uh, taking him at 12 is asking a lot of the guy and putting a lot on a guy's shoulders who's never even been a one before and now I think is going to be expected to be one. I think in general, just classifying the entire Raiders organization as reaching is a good classification because they did the same thing last year and it didn't work out well. Their late picks were awesome. Like a guy like Max Crosby is a superstar in the making and then they you know reached on guys like Clellan Farrell who are subpar um, and, you know, aren't living up to their draft capital because they put unrealistic uh, pressure on these guys. Could you imagine if they had done the smart thing and taken Josh Allen with that fourth pick? I can't imagine. And then still, 
and still taking Max Crosby in the third yeah. or fourth or wherever he went, that probably would be the best young edge rushing duo in the oh, entire league. Really? By a mile, down. it'd be insane. I love Josh Allen. He's a superstar in the making as well. Honestly, last year's edge rushers was a good class, so to miss on it is a big mistake. <laughs> Um, as far as the last team we're going to talk about, this might be a little controversial. I know Luke said he didn't hate their draft, but he was a little upset with some of the picks. I think the Seahawks um, reached a little bit on a bunch of guys, in my opinion. I think Brooks was a reach. I think Taylor was a reach. I, I just wasn't a huge fan of everything they did. And I think they really missed an opportunity to bring in a very good wide receiver in this draft. I really thought T. Higgins was going to end up there. I was a little upset that they didn't take a wide receiver because I don't think DK Metcalf can be the number one for Seattle. And I don't think Lockett should be playing as a number one or whatever he plays as now, this dual hybrid. I think he's better off in the slot more than anything else. And when you were as good as Seattle was last year, um, I think my biggest concern would have been bringing another wide receiver in that room to boost that offense. And once again, they just ignored the line. So Russell Wilson, be prepared to run for your life again. Yeah, that, like, you know what? I'm a big, big Seahawks fan. Um, you know what? The Jordan Brooks selection, I understand. He was the best linebacker. in. The, he won the Dick Buckus Award last year. You know, so he's not a terrible prospect. He could have probably gone later in the draft. I think if they had selected Patrick Queen over him, then you would have just saw Brooks go to the Ravens with the next Mm -hmm. pick. I don't think necessarily it was like, I think there's something about Brooks we just don't understand. Looking at him right now, he is a tackle machine. He is a tackle machine. However, he has coverage problems. So they're going to need to work on his coverage. I think right now you look at a guy like Jordan Brooks and he's going to be like, he's going to be like Blake Martinez. Okay. I think in fantasy wise, because of how well he tackles, he's going to be a guy you want to pick up because the guy just racks up tackles. But in real life situations or even in fantasy, I guess for a little bit, his coverage is so poor. You're not going to see a lot of picks. You're going to see him get burned by tight ends and running backs a lot for in his first year or two. And it's, if Patrick Queen develops faster than he does, it's going to be easy to say that, you know, he was probably the pick to go with. And it's going to make Carroll look Yeah, stupid. well, I think also it's fair to know. I mean, they already got Bobby Wagner in the middle. I think, if anything, Seattle was hoping a guy like Kenneth Murray was going to fall to them more than anything else. And that didn't happen because the Chargers traded up, if I believe I'm correct on that. Yeah, okay. So because of the Chargers trading up, they didn't get Kenneth Murray, who I think would have been a way better fit in Seattle because then he would have been paired on the side of uh, Bobby Wagner as opposed to, you know, two middle linebackers fighting for tackles. Yeah, you know, that's exactly agree with that opinion. I don't hate the Jordan Brooks pick. My biggest issue, my biggest, biggest issue with the draft was taking Darrell Taylor over A.J. Espinenza, however you pronounce mm-hmm. his last name. God, I... Who ended like, up I'm Bill. So upset. Let's go, baby. <laughs> I, You know what? I Here's my thing, is we lost a defensive tackle in free agency. Uh, Ezekiel Ansah was a bust of a signing. We don't know if we're going to bring back Clowney. 
So already there's so many questions up front. And Darrell Taylor is such a project. It was the same thing when they took LJ last year. He's a project. Yeah, I forgot they and they reached him. on LJ. <laughs> exactly. Because he was yeah. injured the whole season. And then when he was healthy, he barely saw the field. So, I mean, like, you take Darrell Taylor, who's a project where, you know, I think AJ, where he had his flaws. Like, he wasn't the fastest uh, edge rusher coming out of the draft. But what made him useful in a system like the Seahawks is that he's a gadget defensive lineman. The guy can play mm-hmm. the edge. He can play your three technique. And he's big enough that if you really needed to, needed him to, he could slide into the one occasionally. And I think he could have been great. He does a lot of killing in between the tackles. And you know what? I'm sure they know what they're doing. As a Seahawks fan, I'm going to assume they know what they're doing by taking Taylor in this over AJ. But if AJ turns out to be the guy I think he can be, I'm going to be pissed. Gonna, it's the Bill system. He's going to become a star. It, uh, oh, oh, my God. Well, when we come back, we are bringing on guest Derek Bosworth, a writer for Dynasty Nerds, who will be giving us his rankings and his opinions on the draft as well. So stick around. All right, guys, welcome back to episode four. We have our guest with us this time around. Good friend of ours named Derek. Derek, you want to introduce yourself to the podcast? What's going on, guys? I'm Derek Bosworth. I'm studying civil engineering at URI, and I'm actually a Debbie writer for Dynasty Nerds. Yes, you are. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you, man. Um, First one that we're having on who's an active listener, actually. He's already listened to the first three episodes, so that's pretty exciting for us, for sure, man. And what do you think so far of the show? I love it. You guys are exciting. I love that you put in the guests. Yeah, Thank you know you. what? We're Thanks, trying to man. make it a little different, you know? <laughs> All right, you know what? You know what, Derek, I have to ask you a question before we get started. Are you related to Brian Bosworth? <laughs> uh, um <laughs> I, I like to sit. I like to call him cousin Buzz, but there's no relation. <laughs> All right. Well, from well, from Buzz. now from now on, I will be referring to you as the Buzz. Uh, All right, I got it. it. I love it. All right, sounds good. So we're just gonna hop right into it. We don't want to take up too much of your time. So we're talking all thing rookies, following the craziness of the draft. Let's just start off, maybe just like a little deep dive. And what are your thoughts on? Maybe the madness, we'll call it that, of the Zoom draft in general. Um, what did you think of it? I mean, it went fairly smoothly compared to like how I pictured it, but it it was definitely very different. You know, yeah. You know, it became interesting when uh, when you saw Roger Goodell sitting in his chair like he was about to put a hit out on somebody. <laughs> uh, I or I think another interesting point was him trying to give a hug to Cesar Ruiz. Uh, yeah, through the tv i saw that <laughs> super uncomfortable that's kind of like you know when you uh when you pay a cam girl or whatever you never done it before it's your first time and you go you know i'm a little shy i don't know what to do but uh it was interesting definitely gotta say it was interesting so uh boz i gotta i'm gonna ask you a question uh and i would like your full honest opinion if it's anything but i know where you go to school now I. Right. who would you say your favorite rookie was going into the draft and now post draft, where would you say your favorite rookie landing spot was? 
Oh, I love this question because it's the same guy. I know who you're going to say, but I'm oh, just going to yeah. let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's been my boy for a while. And he went first round, first I'd be off the board to KC. You can't imagine a better spot, honestly, playing with Mahomes. He was handpicked by Mahomes. Have you guys seen that video? I actually did not yet, but that no, makes I have not. They uh they asked Mahomes who he was gonna uh who he would draft, like the KC general management, and he said Clyde, <laughs> and they went ahead and took him. So, well, you know what? You got to give your quarterback what he wants at the end of the day, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, now you say you love him. So would your love go as far as you're on a nice stroll with Clyde in the middle of the day? Uh, let's say you're in Arizona. So you're in Arizona, nice stroll, middle of the day with Clyde, and a rattlesnake jumps out of nowhere and bites him on the tip of his penis. Would you be the ultimate bro and suck the venom out for him? Yeah, I would slob on that note for sure. <laughs> I wasn't sure where you are going with that, but... <laughs> Yeah, I did not expect that one, but hey, hey, man, you know what? You know what? You can you can say you love a rookie, but if you wouldn't suck the venom out of his tip, you, you don't love him. No, nah, I know that's what a you're real saying. love. Is. I know what you're saying. CD Lamb, though, I'd probably do the same to him, but no one else in this draft. <laughs> yeah, well, so yeah. then that's the other side of it too. So favorite rookie landing spot, Clyde Edwards is an obvious one. I mean, going to the Chiefs is an absolute powerhouse. I think he's gonna play good and he's gonna eat a lot. Uh, but I think he'll probably be split carries at least year one with Damian Williams. I think there's a little curve as far as pass blocking goes for him. Yep. So I could see him needing a year at least in that system until he gets fully adjusted. But then from there on out, I see him being a workhorse. But I definitely think there's going to be a year or so where he has to get to the next level because he didn't really pass block at all uh, in LSU system, yeah. like like at all. And that's fine. I mean, but they're, I know Andy Reid's going to want somebody who can do it all. For sure. Uh, I think he can be everything they wanted Damian Williams to be last year. But for sure, he needs to work on his pass blocking. He's super complete, though, other than that. Yeah, and he's got his ball security, something else, man. That's one of the big notes I made of him is I think he had the best, in my opinion, the best ball security in the entire draft class. Agree, agree. Yeah. Now, so, so you talked about C.D. Lamb earlier, and how you would also suck his the venom out of his tip. <laughs> yep. Can I can I ask, as somebody who's a fan of him, how do you feel about him going to the Cowboys and what looks like a revenge pick at Jerry Jones just giving the big fu to the Eagles? Yeah. Um. It's it was definitely a shot, but actually. It's not as bad as it seems of a spot because I think CeeDee Lamb with his talent, he's going to be the wide receiver one there. It's a bold statement, but watching Jalen Hurts film, watching CeeDee Lamb film, like all you notice is this guy, like he just dominates no matter what. Like his after the catch, he's just a beast. And even like with the ball in the air, he's probably still top of the class with the ball in the air. I agree with all your takes. My only problem with this whole situation, and I don't know all the back language as far as Amari's contract goes, I think it would have been a lot better if they drafted CeeDee Lamb, didn't extend Amari, and just let him walk in free agency. Because then you'd have a guy like Gallup who could take that next step. He's already proven he could be a wide receiver too. And then Lamb could instantly step in the wide receiver one role. And that money you'd save, you could throw and overpay for Dak Prescott because that's what he wants. 
Oh, I completely agree. They are definitely regretting that Amari situation right now. Yeah, and I think it's just because of how the draft fell more than anything else. Yeah, I think that's a good insight, really, at the end of the day, that sometimes these contract extensions might be best until after the draft because something like that, I don't think Amari gets extended if they knew that Lamb was going to be on their team at this point. For sure. Now, you know, Boz, I got a question for you. This one's a controversial one between me and Kyle because I don't know if he 100% agrees with it, but I think it's the true tell if a quarterback's going to be great or not. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever watched How I Met Your Mother? I I haven't. I'm not going to lie, but... Okay, so so in How I Met Your Mother, one of the characters, Barney, has a scale that rates... Uh, women's attractiveness to their craziness. And depending on how attractive they are, it depends on how crazy they're allowed to be. Now, I've applied this to football, and I've decided that depending on how handsome a quarterback's face is relates to how productive he will be in the NFL. What is your take on that scale? I actually did hear this in the other podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Hey, I mean, you brought up a lot of good points. Jimmy G, he's the most beautiful man alive. And Tom Brady, in his day, he was the most beautiful man alive. And now he's the greatest player of all time. I mean, you got a lot of parallels there. I just think there's something about how symmetrical somebody's face is that correlates to, you know, how great they are at the next level. See, this got to be. This is the whole other thing. First off, I think Jimmy G breaks your your whole rankings and I'm going to keep saying that because I don't think Jimmy G's that good. But also, then it also puts um the other side note of the conversation like, okay, so just because somebody's more good looking, does that mean they get more opportunities in life? And that's why they're the best quarterbacks are them. Like, is that like a look into society? Like, on a serious note. Uh, well, I mean, 100%. Like, you go to a club, right, and you you and your boys are like, ball out, ball out season, NBA stuff, and you guys get a booth, right? And you're targeting the girls on the dance floor to bring up and be like, you know, come, come hang out with us or whatever. Realistically, are you going to share your booth and your bottles with the lower class, the lower tier at the club? Or are you going for the elite of the elite, even if you're the ugliest guy in the club? I mean, it's a fair point, man. I, I think at the end of the day, I think that's something the three of us can definitely agree on. On another note, uh, as far as elite of the club goes, some teams had <laughs> hilariously bad drafts. Um, we talked a little bit on the podcast already about it, but anybody you want to give a huge shout out to, Derek? Like somebody you want to just roast right now? Oh, the Packers. Yeah. The Packers, for sure. <laughs> They're the easiest target, aren't they? <laughs> and honestly, I'm a huge Jordan Love guy. But the Packers, what are you doing? Their, their team is built to win now. They're like slightly above average. That's right when you should be like targeting impact players for your first year in the first and second rounds. Yeah. And they go out and they take Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon. Like, yeah. Neither of them are going to do anything this year. And A.J. Dillon is really just to scare Aaron Jones into staying with them and taking a lower contract. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the worst part about it is I hate 
um, from a fantasy perspective, guys like AJ Dillon and Jordan Love now. I mean, long-term, sure, Jordan Love could be something, but um, I'm not really taking the guy. I'm trying to sell the shares I do right now, and I know a few people are like, oh, yeah, he'll be good in three to four years. But, I mean, even in Dynasty, I don't really like thinking that far. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I like thinking, like, next year or the year after, maximum. Like, you get what I'm saying? I agree. I agree. I always think of the next year. Yeah, that, exactly. That's always what I'm thinking. Luke, any takes? I know you ripped the Packers a little bit earlier, but you want to follow up with anything else right now? Oh, I mean, like, I could talk all day about the <laughs> Packers. Like, even as an organization, I don't really have an, ever understood what they've been doing since they won the Super Bowl. You know, I think it's interesting that I think they had one of the most dynamic um, running back tandems in the league last year between Williams and Jones, Uh, arguably one of the best. It was a good one two combo. And if one guy fell off, the other guy would pick up, you know, and I thought Williams could take the next step going into next year, not necessarily into overtaking Jones, but to being just like an even better compliment than what he already was. And honestly, I look at AJ Dillon and he had an okay career. Nothing that like stands out. I don't even know if I would have taken him in the second round if I was a GM. But, um, you know, my biggest thing is he's kind of fat. <laughs> Eddie Lacey 2.0. They love yeah, those big boys like, in Green Bay. Maybe that's what it is at the end of the day. They just got to get their chunksters. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, if they if they want guys who can play on the line, go draft an offensive lineman. But honestly, I prefer, you know, my running backs aren't uh, in the drive through at McDonald's during quarantine at this time. You know, I, I you know what? I, I was a big guy growing up, so I can't really throw hate on him for being big. But the guy's six foot, 250 pounds almost. Like, that's freaking massive for a running back. And he is not necessarily fast either. Guy ran a 4.53. So, I mean, like, 250-pound running back. Like, does he play fullback for them? Well, like, where where are you going to play? I'm not an A.J. Dillon guy as well. And I'm from Boston. I've seen him play. So, like, I should be. But here's my RB10 overall. And I just – I'm not a fan. I don't think he he has what it takes in this NFL today. I don't even hate that ranking of him as RB10. That's my whole problem. I don't even really care that Green Bay took a running back in the draft. My whole thing was when you were in round two and wide receivers were flying off the board before Green Bay got back up on the draft, I have Green Bay Packer friends who were just furious because if you asked anybody of that fanhood who what they needed most, it was wide receiver. Like, didn't we all know that? Like, am I crazy? Like, like, is that, that was their biggest need, right? Like. For sure. I thought, I thought they were going Duvernay for sure. That would have been a nice pick, but. Yes, it would have. You know, it's so interesting because there were so many wide receivers in this last draft class that probably in any other draft class would have had round one rankings on them. And they just completely crapped the bed. Like even a guy like. Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky, who went in the third round to the Raiders, would have even been a better pick than Dylan, in my opinion, even if they reached and grabbed him in the second. And I'm not even super high on Bowden, but like, I just think, like, wow, like, if we're making stuff up here, like, I'm going to pick, uh, I'm going to pick Spock with my next pick, you know, <laughs> if I'm the Packers. Like, they're, they're, they're not doing anything. 
I, I don't know. I, that's me. That's me. I don't like the Packers. I do have a question for you, Boz. Uh, since you are, you know, named after one of the, you know, okay linebackers to play in Seattle. <laughs> how do you feel about DK Metcalf? Um, because I think this is, I think this is a big one where a lot of people aren't sure what to think. Guy doesn't have a good route running tree. He has the potential to be something. He's huge. But, I mean, can he take that next step? Curious to hear what the boss. I think he'll always be a very solid wide receiver to line up on the outside, get you wide receiver two numbers. But I don't think he has what it takes to take that next step and become, like, a true wide receiver one. Because to do that, you need to be able to, like, dominate, just dominate at all you can do, route running. He can go up and get it and – he has elite athleticism, but I don't think he can. He has what it takes to create the separation on the corners, like top three corners. I completely agree with you. And this actually, it's funny. This brings it all full circle because one of the teams that I personally had a problem with their draft was the Seattle Seahawks. And one of the biggest issues I had is that they didn't bring another wide receiver in the room. And my biggest thought on the process is this: in my opinion, Tyler Lockett should be playing out of the slot. I think there's no other reason. I, I think that's where he belongs. You know what I mean? I think DK can't become the one, like you said. And I think Seattle missed a prime opportunity to take a one in a class that was loaded with potential wide receiver ones. Do you see my point on that? I see that for sure. Well, I mean, like, this is a podcast, and technically this is all over audio, so I can't visually see what you're saying. <laughs> but it... <laughs> In my mind, I have started to put images together, 100%. Um, I, you know, as a big Seattle guy, I was pretty irritated that they didn't trade up and get T. Higgins in the second round because I thought he would have been the perfect complement to what they have with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But you know what? Unfortunately, I'm not the GM of the Seattle Seahawks, and probably for good reason. <laughs> But you, I mean, you know, ten years from now, maybe my political science major will pay off, and I'll blackmail the right person, and I'll be in there that role. <laughs> so you know, so and I mean, and you know, T T Higgins, if you're listening to this in ten years, like, I'll come for you. <laughs> Just wait. I think he might be a little on the age cliff at that point. As far as the opposite of it goes, though, you know, we just ripped on the Packers for a little bit. Uh, any draft you want to highlight as like one you love, like a lot? Okay, so I have one I love. <laughs> In fantasy terms, okay, and yeah, one that I just love. the The Ravens, I like them. Just I like their draft completely. They're building like a college team, but it's gonna work. <laughs> they yeah. took Patrick Queen, got va- great value there, and then J.K. Dobbins. He's gonna him and Lamar. That's gonna be just like Fields and Dobbins. He'll be there for a long time. And Duvernay, they got great value there too. And then they went O-line heavy, linebacker in the late rounds. I like that. Okay, yeah, no, I definitely I, – I can see that the Ravens are trying to build something special. You know, they have a special running back playing quarterback <laughs> for them. So, so, I mean, they need to capitalize on what they have until people realize that Adam Thielen has a better arm than Lamar Jackson. I think J.K. is going to be a really great compliment to him. It sucks because Mark Ingram finally, finally got the opportunity to be that RB1. And he looked promising. 
but he's also 31. And, like, you know, unfortunately, he's not a MILF. Doesn't mean <laughs> anything. He, he could, you know, take it or leave it with me. I am, you know, who I am really curious to see play out. And, Kyle, this is going to, this might tickle your bone, is uh, the Buffalo Bills. Because they had an interesting I think we draft. Had a good draft, but uh, please continue. Uh, you know what? I think the whole Diggs trade was a must. They had to have a wide receiver one. Now, for what Bill O'Brien sold DeAndre Hopkins for, I don't know why they weren't really getting into that sweepstakes more, uh, especially what they paid for Diggs. But I think Diggs will pan out for the next two to three years for them. I think John Brown's going to be a great compliment to Diggs as well. And then they just went and capitalized, and they upgraded every position and solidified it. And I honestly think... My sleeper pick for a guy who in five years you can be talking about how the hell is he projected to be a solid backup was Jake Fromm. I've loved Jake Fromm since QB1. I would have gone to homecoming with him <laughs> in QB1 if, if, if I went to his school. I think, I think the guy is tremendous. It sucks that he has small hands, but it makes the ball look big, which, you know, is a compliment <laughs> to the ball. And I think that he has the mind for football. I think... And this might be a stretch, especially Boz. You might take this as a stretch as a guy coming out from uh, Boston. But I, I think Fromm, if I'm comparing him to a QB in the league right now, I'm comparing him to Tom Brady coming out of the draft. I don't hate that. I don't That's hate that. I, I honestly thought Fromm going to the Patriots would have been the best thing possible for Bill Belichick. I, I, like, I felt like that was the guy that if I'm Belichick, I'm, you know – trying to get all over in up and all over that place you know and it, it sucks that uh belly didn't get the pick but hey his dog looks super cute in uh in the zoom in the zoom chats <laughs> that were going on yeah for sure i i was very surprised that they didn't take a uh, from at some point because he fell hard yeah yeah you know it was interesting because i don't know how like he was projected like two two like two to three on most uh on most mocks that you looked at considering how many teams could have used a quarterback prospect and he just like it was worse than what happened with will greer last year in my opinion and it was just kind of like went tits up you know and and i would have hated to be his family just sitting in that living room being like oh is this is this ever going to happen but granted Granted, he is far superior and more successful than Tate Martell has ever been since getting out of high school. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like Jake Fromm. I like what the Bills are doing in general. I think they're trying to build a, a right the right culture, and I don't dislike the pick at Fromm. I know some people were like, why are we taking a quarterback? Dude, our backup was Derek Anderson. The guy's a bum. I completely get bringing in somebody who's competent because Josh Allen likes to get hurt once or twice a season because he likes to run and jump linebackers and do stupid things. So I have no problem with the pick at all. Uh you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Buffalo in general. You know, any way you could boost up my team is going to get me happy, Derek. <laughs> uh, I like the Moss pick. I do like it. Do you guys think that Devlin Singletary is a workhorse? No. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I don't think he can do it. I don't think he can do it. He's 5'7". Yeah. He's a great running back. He's shifty. But 
I don't think he can. The wear and tear is gonna get to him eventually. Yeah, well, that's why I think they took Moss because I think I think that Buffalo knows that he isn't a workhorse. And I told people all this offseason while everybody was overpaying for Singletary, I was like, the Bills are gonna bring in another running back. You guys know that, right? Everybody was like, no, no, he's the workhorse. He's the workhorse. I was like, yeah, all right. Well, I think that pick in the third round, in my opinion, solidifies the fact that I don't think Buffalo wants him to be the workhorse. For sure. And Moss is a bruiser. So that's all that's going to do is make tacklers tired and Singletary. It's going to help Singletary in the long run. Oh, yeah, for sure. Maybe not for your fantasy team. And I think that's what people are looking for more than anything else is that once in a million workhorse, you know what I mean, or once in whatever. Um, But at the end of the day, in real life, that is the better. That's the right move for that team. I know we're reaching, you know, the five to six minute marker left on our time. So I just want to ask you, I know you do a lot of rankings, so it'd be a shame if we brought you on and we didn't hear a bunch of your early rankings. So maybe if you want to start with quarterbacks, then maybe do running backs and wide receivers. You can try to crack tight ends, but that was a whole mess. This draft for tight ends. Oh so yeah, I don't know if you even want to touch that. <laughs> I, don't I, I don't think I'm going to touch tight ends. <laughs> I, I still, I'm pretty lost there. Yeah. But for my QBs, I'm going Burrow number one. He's been there, best college season of all time. You mm-hmm. got to keep him there. And then Tua, Herbert. Then I got Love and um, Jalen Hurts, and I like Love a lot more than Hurts because I think it'll only take two years for him to get a good shot because Aaron Rodgers has two years left on his contract, and you're going to be surprised at the strides that Love can make. All right. I like that take. I think the worst part of this draft, um, just talking about Jalen Hurts, was him going to Philly. Um, I'm already hearing that he's going to be used as Taysom Hill, and I already talked about him earlier in the podcast. But I just, as somebody who loved the guy and watched him, you know, all throughout college and everything he went through, it just feels like another adversity for the guy, like another wall he's now got to climb out of after everything he's been through. I agree with that. I have him and Eason neck and neck right there, mm-hmm. just because I don't think the opportunity will come. Yep. Carson Wentz, he's injury prone, but it's it's really that's what it's going to take for him to get an opportunity because he's uh Wentz is under contract until 2025. Jesus, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll be about taste of Bill's age when he finally has his chest. It'll be like Drew yeah. Brees' situation all over again. <laughs> <laughs> and as you know, we're not big fans of Taysom Hill on this show. <laughs> for my RBs. Taysom. You already know who I got number one. Yep. Clyde. And that's I, I explained that before. Um, then I have Jonathan Taylor. I love Indianapolis. Perfect scheme fit. And then we got Akers, Swift, then Dobbins. I actually like Swift's landing spot in Detroit. He doesn't need to be the workhorse to get to put up the numbers. He never was the workhorse at Georgia. And everyone had him at number 1 and he's going to he's going to do the same stuff he's been doing at Georgia in the NFL. He doesn't need to be that guy. I think that's an interesting take on it. So I just took Dobbins at 1.5 in a draft and Luke got very lucky and Swift felt him at what was it Luke 1.9? 
So what, do you nine, think I reached on Dobinson based on your early rankings? I just love him in the Ravens offense. Yeah. Um, like I said, I really only look one year in the future. Okay. And so I see what you were doing there, but I would definitely go Swift because I think he's always going to have another guy. It's going to be like an Eckler situation. He's always going to have another guy that's there to take like early down carries and he's still going to produce. But Dobbins, it's definitely not a bad pick because he's a workhorse. Him and Lamar are going to build something there. So, Yeah, I think it's more of just a long-term thing than anything else versus I get what you're saying. I guess at the end of the day, then from your perspective, Swift's kind of just like bulletproof when it comes to fantasy. Yeah, it's it really did not matter where he landed. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an interesting take, but it makes sense based on what you're saying. For sure. After that, I have um, I have a bunch of wide receivers. After that, and then it's Vaughn and Moss, and um, Keyshawn Vaughn. I did not love him as a prospect, but I love the situation. Rojo is still going to get carries. He's still going to get some passing downs. But when you're in the Buccaneers offense with Tom Brady, with those weapons, they even got Tyler Johnson. Like, yeah. you're going to produce no matter who you are. <laughs> yeah, the Bucks had a pretty damn good draft. The Bucks seem to just uh, stay winning this offseason. No matter what, if you like it or not, man, they just seem to keep uh, adding to what is now looking like a pretty powerful team. Um when people kind of thought, you know, when they first signed Tom Brady, they were like, oh, why did he go there? Now it's looking like, oh, crap, this might be the most talented roster Brady's ever had. For sure, but that's a, that's a little knock on the early 2000s Patriots. Yeah, no, for sure. And the and, old Patriots, come on. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying uh, the wide receiver core is pr- I'm pretty crazy. I know we only have about a minute left, so if you want to maybe just run through top five wide receivers just real quick and we'll wrap up. All right, I think my top wide, top six wide receivers will all be uh, wide receiver ones two years from now. Okay. So, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, Ruggs, Rieger, Higgins, Jefferson, um, and then we got a couple a couple backs, quarterbacks. This is my super flex rankings, mm. and then it would be Chenault, Pittman, Van Jefferson. I have him pretty high. I like that pick. And then Brian Edwards from there. <laughs> Notice <laughs> there's no Ayuk from yeah, there no. too much. And Ayuk and Mims, I think those are the two busts. I hate to say it, but those are going to be the two busts of the drafts. They aren't the best at creating separation. Ayuk, he does just because of his speed. But in the NFL, I don't think that flies. Well, that's an interesting insight because I hope Mims doesn't bust because I have high hopes on Darnold this year. Um, I know we're kind of reaching our end right now, so we just want to thank you for coming on. I know it's sort of a lot in like 30 minutes, but I hope you enjoyed your time. I enjoyed it. Thank you guys for having me. Of course, man. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, man. Stick around. We'll be back with some closing remarks. Great. Thanks to the boss for coming on and talking to us about all of his rookies and whatnot. Guy really knows what he's talking about, and I'm appreciative that we somehow tricked him into coming on. <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy we were able to get him on. Um, just so you guys know, I know 
uh, today's episode was a little delayed, uh, but I was sick over the weekend and dealing with a lot of other things. So I apologize, but we should be on schedule for Thursday's episode. Worst comes to worst, we'll have it out on Friday for this week. Yeah, you know what? It's it's not it's not the biggest deal. It's the off season. As once we get into the regular season, you'll see that it gets very much more consistent with the Monday Thursday, so that mm-hmm. we so that we have an episode coming out right when the week's done and an episode coming out right before the week starts. That's the idea of the schedule at the end of the day. I want to give a quick shout out real quick before we wrap things up here. Um, Instagram and Twitter are both up and running. So if you guys haven't followed yet, uh, the Twitter is Dynasty Kings Pod. Uh, so that's at Dynasty Kings Pod. And the Twitter is the exact same thing. So make sure you guys give that a follow because that's how we're going to be getting the content out to you at the end of the day. So that's the easiest uh, thing for us at the end. And that's yeah. about it. That's all I have. Yeah. I mean, like if you want to see our sexy faces and our <laughs> hot to not so hot takes, definitely go check out our social media. Uh, I think we are definitely going to be the guys you are looking for on Twitter. Thanks for listening. And we will be back next time. Thanks guys.